0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org.
1: Holidays can feel weird that way, can't they? Like some of us got to experience the Christmas spirit of going to Starbucks and having somebody pay for your drink or... People just genuinely are in a pretty good mood in Christmas. Like you walk through the store, and instead of getting bumped in the shoulder and um, getting a nice little finger in the face, like you get, hey, Merry Christmas, you know, or like it just people tend to be more kind and better on Christmas. But the reality is that sometimes Christmas can just be an afterthought. You're so busy fighting off that lady on Black Friday, and you're so busy uh, filling up your Amazon shopping cart. You're so busy running to get Christmas decorations because your husband threw them away in the spring purge. Um, It's crazy. It's just crazy. And I used to think it was just a Christmas thing, but it's not. Okay, we're busy, busy people, and I have statistics to back this up, okay, so if you have a problem with me, you're going to have to take it up with the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics, okay, and I guarantee they're not going to answer your phone calls or your emails. So, in 2018, they ran a study of thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans saying, how much time do you spend doing X, Y, Z? So. 9.58 hours on average of sleep and personal care, which includes brushing your teeth, showering, stuff that our youth students don't do. Um, That's good. 9.58 hours a day, uh, which is 9 hours and 35 minutes. We then spend 1.19 hours eating and drinking. Men tend to spend more time eating. Shocker. Um, But that's still respectable. Respectable. 1.78 1.78 hours of household activities, food prep, cleaning, lawn and garden care, that type of stuff. 0.72 hours of purchasing things, whether it be groceries or uh, stuff around the house or whatever you might need just as purchasing. 0.78 hours of helping other people, um, which could be family or if you're a volunteer or if you're doing helping people outside of your normal job. And then 7.9 hours on average of people who work full-time. If you work part-time, they said it was 2.9 hours a day. Cool stats. Here's what that means. That means that we spend on this stuff, which is essential. Okay? Sleeping and brushing your teeth is essential. Unless you're not going to have a job because no one's going to want to be around you. Eating and drinking. I'm hoping we're doing that. Okay? Household activities. Um... The mom household tends to be less than 1.78 hours, okay? Uh, It's more along 0.2, somewhere along there. If you add all this up of essential things that we do every day, we spend 21.95 hours a day doing stuff that we really can't get around. For all you mathematicians out there, that leaves you a whopping two hours in your day that is not taken up doing something. That's not very much. At least that doesn't seem like very much to me, okay? Because then you start adding in all the time you're scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or looking at your fantasy team or whatever it is that you do, and all of a sudden that two hours tends to get diminished really, really fast. Now there's lots of variables. Some of us are retired. Some of us don't work a full-time job. Um, some of us have young kids. And so um, 0.72 hours of caring for other people is kind of laughable. Um, like you spend 10 hours a day watching them, make sure they're not putting their hands in fire or hitting their heads on fridges, whatever it is. For those who have sports, do I have any sports parents in here? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like two hours, you laugh because that's not happening. Being chauffeur and Uber is a real thing, okay? You just don't get paid for it yet. Two hours a day is not enough. I've noticed every single time I connect with somebody, every single time I see somebody, I haven't seen anybody. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Good. Busy. Do you ever get that? Right? Busy is always something we attach to how we're doing because we're busy. We are busy People. And it's no wonder that we're tired all the time. It's no wonder that mental illness is on the rise. It's no wonder that our health, physical health, is declining because we don't stop running. We are busy people. And about the time we get free time, about the time that we have a spare second, we fill it up with stuff. Good stuff, not so good stuff, whatever it is. But our world gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Every single day. And so we come into the weekend, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're beat up. Some of us are cranky. No, not, we're not cranky. If you're saying, no, I'm not cranky, you're the cranky one. That's how it works. But you're in luck. Because there's an answer to all this busyness. You're in luck. And the pastor down the street has it all figured out. So you can head down there, because I do not got figure it figured out one bit I'm tired I'm busy just like the rest of you I've got a 15 month at home and watching him run around makes me tired okay I train for half marathons every year and I'm more tired in this last month watching him tear around the house than any of my other training stuff it's busy life is busy and being busy isn't bad in fact being busy is a good thing it means you're making an impact on this world if you're busy, it means you have something in your life, whether it be a job, whether it be people, whether it be a volunteer. If you, are, if you have stuff going on, it means that you are making an impact in this world. So being busy isn't a problem. In fact, Jesus calls us to be busy. Jesus, the dude, never, ever had much downtime. You see that about the time he gets downtime, he gets free time, he has people by the thousands coming to listen to him. So he has to continually get away to escape, to pray, to be alone. He goes over to people's houses all the time to to have dinner with them and share a meal and get to know them better and get to love on them. He's healing people. He's inspiring people. He's saving the entire world. And when he left this earth, he didn't say, Hey, take it easy, lay back, it's all good. He said, Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, which means essentially go and spread my message, go and spread my love to all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Busyness isn't the root problem. I just said busyness is good. But busyness, if it's left unchecked, can become a real problem. When we're so busy trying to keep up with the hustle and the bustle, and we can't even spare five minutes to have our own thoughts go through our head, we start to get worn down. And we start to get more bitter and more jaded. You start to understand that, man, this world is nasty and people are cruel. Cruel. And you try and keep up and you try and stay with it, but the reality is that you just can't. And so your dreams and your passions, the, one, the things that you used to, used to stay up at night thinking, well, oh man, this is going to be awesome, they start to fizzle. All these fantasies, all these ideas start to get replaced by practicality and logistics. And man, I could be chasing this dream, but instead of, I'm just going to stay at home and sit on the couch and just binge Netflix. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. We get so bogged down that we lose ourselves and who we are at our very core. On the screen, there's going to be a Bible verse from Matthew chapter 4. It's about Jesus in the wilderness, which in his day, where he's at in Israel, is just essentially a big desert. And it says, "...the tempter came to him," which is the enemy, the devil." Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said, All this I will give you, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Here's what's going on God sends down his son, Jesus. Jesus then is prompted or led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So he was essentially going into a desert with no food, no water. And so he's essentially saying, Satan, here I am. Hit me with your best shot. Whatever you got, give it to me. Whatever, just you have one shot. I'm here, I'm open, hit me with it. Do you notice what Satan does? It's very, very discreet but there's a big word riddled through all that text and it's a little word called if. If you are the son of God, if you are so almighty and strong, if you are really loved by God, then you will do this. He attacked his identity. He's trying to take his feet out from under him and say, you know what, you're not who you say you are. You might be all big and strong. You might think you're, you got the, you got daddy on your side. You might think you're all good, but you're nothing. So if you are who you say you are, prove it. He was trying to get him to say, to prove his identity and what he was doing, rather than who he was. Here's the reality, all of us. There's a lot of people in this world who want us to prove who we are. And there's a lot of people who think we need to do something to be something. And we can trace it all the way back to the Bible because here's the reality. If, Jesus could, if, if Satan could cause Jesus to doubt himself, he would doubt God. If he could doubt what he was capable of, he would doubt all the plans and the promises that God had for him. If he could doubt the love that God had for him, he knew he would feel so ostracized and so alone that he would lose all of his power. Satan wanted Jesus to forget who he was. Because if he forgot who he was, he would forget whose he was. If he could forget who he was, he would forget whose he was. Because here's the reality. He was God's he was loved by God. He was his most prized possession, his everything. And he would never let anything distract him and detract him from the plans he had for him. And if Jesus could doubt that, if Jesus could begin to vie away from that, he would begin to do things outside of what he was called to do. When you get rid of your identity and who you are right here at the core, you begin to lose who you really are. And here's the reality. That same struggle is going on with us today. It's going on today. The Bible says that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. So when he was going through all that, when he was getting just beat down, and if you are this, if you are that, he had the same human emotions that you and I do. Who do you think? What do you? What? Why? Why? I am who I said I am who I says I am. I am who I am. But instead, he kept his composure. He just said, God says this and God says this is who I am. Sometimes we think of the enemy, which I hate giving him stage time because he does not work. He's not worthy of it. But the reality is that in this world there are things that happen and for those of us who love Jesus, and for those of us who are just living, there's an enemy that wants to see us destroyed, and he wants to see us miserable and weighed down and constricted and all this different stuff. And we think of him as this big bully, but here's reality he's smart. He's smart, and he's clever. Because he wants you to think that you're not worth it. He wants you to think that you'll never amount to anything. He wants you to say, you know what? I might love God, but I am so screwed up that I'm not good enough for anything that he calls me to do. He attacks your identity and he attacks my identity just like he did with Jesus. But Jesus stood up to it. And how? I want you to see something so key for all of us here in Matthew chapter 3. One chapter before what I just said. Jesus is in the Jordan River getting baptized. And so a lot of you have seen baptism as an infant baptism. Um, Sometimes we do baptisms here at church. Baptism is essentially just a symbol of you saying, I believe in Jesus with all my heart. And so Jesus was setting the example for that here in Matthew chapter 3. And so he gets baptized, and I want you to... This is so key for all of us walking out of here. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him, I am well pleased. Jesus was the Son of God. It's really weird. And I would love to try to explain it to you. It's confusing. But God was full, Jesus was fully man and fully God. So God... The Father sent him down, but he was still fully God. So, if God the Father thought it was prudent, if it was important for him to reassure Jesus, you are my son, and with you I am well pleased. We're talking about the man who was fully God. If he needed that reassurance, I think all of us need the same exact thing. We need to understand that God is well-pleased with us. And we need to understand that we have purpose, that we have value, that we have the worth that he calls us to. God was proud of his son. He loved his son. He would protect his son. And he says the same thing about us. I want to show you a picture of my son. This is Ellis John. Um, He has a bunch of energy. Alright, like he, like I said, he will literally tear around the house all the time. Um, he's starting to talk a lot, and so we have a lot of fictitious conversations with him. Um, he knows a few words, uh-oh, dada, bye, and mama. So, I mean, that, that, that works. Um, we we kind of figured out the rest from there. Um, but I want to show you this, because anyone with kids will understand this. We love our kids more than, than is even conceivable. It doesn't make sense, okay? When he's sitting on a chair with a cheese puff in his cheek like this, just sipping his juice, looking at his screen, doing nothing, literally doing, just living his best life, okay? He is doing nothing of value to my life. He's just living. Parents in here, do you, just, do you remember those moments where you just looked at them and go, Man. I love this kid so much. So much. It's it's, it's inconceivable. It makes zero sense. This love is so deep. It's so raw. It's so pure. And it's so unconditional. There are moments when he goes into our cupboards and dumps out all of our plastic silverware and puts it in the blender with his fingers. And I'm going, Kid, what are you doing? then he just looks at me and just smiles. And all of a sudden, my heart melts again. As soon as I had my son, my relationship with God changed instantly. Because looking at him, looking at this little bundle of joy, I felt a love so deep that I have never felt in my entire life. And up until this point, he hasn't done much to help around the house, okay? In fact, there's something about cleaning up your son when he poops in the tub on Saturday morning, okay? I got to experience that this weekend. We love him so much. We care about him. We would do anything, anything for them. And all of a sudden, since having him, I've had so many moments where God goes, you think that's love? You see how much you love your son. The love I have for you, Derek, is so much bigger than that. It's so much stronger than that. When that when that old lady in the supermarket tries to put a hat on him, and you want to rip her head off, okay? That same protection that you have for him, I have for you. So why do you doubt? Why do you worry that I'm not going to be there for you? Because I love you. I care about you. Here's the problem. The world tries to get us so busy, so run down, so crazy, that we forget that. Because I don't know about you guys, I'm only 24 years old, but I've experienced a common thread in life, that we have to hustle more, we have to do more, we will never be able to fully get enough time in the day, because time is going by so fast. And the more we try and do, the more we try and accomplish, the more we try and do something that we think is going to give us value or give us worth or make us feel accomplished, never does the trick. We do and we do and we do and we do we do, 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 we do. And so we're so exhausted that our bodies literally get sick and run down and we're laying in bed because we can't fight off that cold or that flu because we're so busy and we still feel like we're not good enough and we're not doing enough. Because we're trying to earn something that we already have. We're trying to feel worth. We're trying to feel like we're doing something. We're trying to feel like we're accomplishing something in this world. But all we have to do is understand that God loves us and He's got a purpose for us, and we just got to trust Him in that. Busyness is not the enemy, checklists are not the enemy. Doing more is not the enemy. The enemy is when we start to believe the lies. That just like he did to Jesus, the enemy loves to whisper in You're not good enough. You're not doing enough. No one's going to listen to you. I feel it. You feel it. And we don't need to be scared and run the other way. Because just the way that Jesus stood strong on God, we can stand strong on Him too. Before we do that, we need to be called back to our true identity and believe in ourselves once again. Check out this clip. Well, maybe there's
0: some way we could work together to make things move faster. We've only got a little bit of North America left. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I didn't have to carry my sack. I could move twice as fast. All right, this just might work. Now, Kate, you're in charge of getting all the presents ready to go. You, you just uh, call out the addresses and the names, and you just throw them out of the sack. Just chuck them out, chuck them out. I'll catch them, and I'll deliver. And that means, Teddy, you drive. What? The sleigh? No, the cop cruiser. Of course the sleigh. <laughs> you want me to drive that? Oh, I've seen you drive. Yeah, a car, but I mean, this is... This is... Now, where's all that huff and puff about a Pierce always sees it through? Well, I mean, that was before you told me that I was going to have to drive the sleigh. Well, this is the only possible way we're going to make it, so I guess it's going to be baptism by fire. Well, maybe I can help Kate with presents, right? Let's go! I told you we're going to have to move fast! On, hop in the back! Tom Blitzen! (laughs) All right, Teddy, stand up. Take him. What? Come on. All right, you got to hold him. Now we're going to see what you're made of. Now just think about where you want to go and go. Oh, no, 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 Santa. I can't do this. Uh, Some things we got to figure out on our own, Teddy. You can do it. All right. Here's the book with all the names and addresses. Take a good look. Got it. Got it. Uh, ah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If there's one thing reindeer can smell, it's fear. Santa, help him! I can't control him. Uh, Santa, this isn't funny. Eight reindeer. How tough can it be? just had to do one thing, Teddy. (gasps) Believe. But I do believe in you. No, no, no. I'm not talking about me. You have to believe in yourself. The way your mother believes in you. And your sister. The way your father believed in you.
1: Yeah, a few claps. When I'm not speaking with adults, I'm usually with youth students, and so every Wednesday night we have youth students that gather here and that are with us, and it's awesome. But as a youth pastor, I get a front row seat to the stories and the lives of so many of our youth students, and I gotta be honest with you, it, it's hard to get a front row seat sometimes because I see what they go through and I see the struggles they have and I see the things that they battle with sometimes at home sometimes at school sometimes just between their two ears and it's hard sometimes to watch them struggle and to watch them go through that because you want to just dive in and help them and, and, and be there for them but as hard as it is it's more exponentially more amazing and rewarding to see that transformation to all of a sudden for them to get it to click, to all of a sudden to go that you know what, I might struggle with my self worth, I might struggle with how that guy or that girl values me I might struggle with my dad at home or my stepdad or my stepmom or my grandma, whatever it is at home that makes my life miserable all this stuff in their life, all this junk, all of a sudden just push to the wayside because they experience something real and I get to watch them experience. I, their entire countenance changes when they understand I am loved. And I am good enough. And I am cared for. By God. And it is so cool to see and for a while, I just believed that it's just those youth students who struggle with their identity. It's just, it's just that stage of becoming who you are that you start to doubt who you are. You start to feel like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm just so ingrained into this situation or this perspective that I can't see clearly anymore. I used to think that it was just teenagers. But as I've become an adult, I've realized, you know what? We as adults actually have it worse. We struggle all the time with who we are and who God's called us to be. It might look different. It might not look like bawling over this, this punk little boy who sends you a text or a Snapchat and makes you feel like junk. But we feel crushed and not good enough when we get fired from our job. We feel terrible when we have to discipline our, our kids and sometimes we don't do the best job of it. Sometimes we struggle in life because here's, here's what I have found out. I'm 24. I've lived a lot less life than some of us in here. And some of you have been through some really, really, really tough things. Really tough things. Maybe it was a hurt even from the church. Maybe someone at church did something to you or said something to you that forever changed how you saw God because it was so hurtful and so deceptive and so crippling that you can't even step foot in a church anymore. Maybe it was something that you did or that was done to you in your past. Maybe it's something you did to somebody else that you regret. And every single day, every single moment, you are reminded of that and you think, you know what? I can't possibly love Jesus. I can't possibly be good enough for God because I did this or this was done to me. Some of us in here lost someone that was so close and so dearly loved that we don't feel like ourselves anymore because we lost a piece of who we are. And we lose our identity and we just we lose who we are and we get so caught up into the hustle and the bustle and the running and the chaos and all of this that we just can't even realize it. And before long, we're years down the road. We understand, you know what? I'm not even who I was called to be in the first place. You guys have lived through a lot. I've been through things, and so I don't want to compare apples to apples because that's not what we're called to do. But the reality is that even as a pastor five nights ago i remember laying in bed going man i missed the ball there i wish i could do this i wish i could just get through to this person i I was i was feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders and i just felt god say "Derek, i am good and you are loved i am good and you are loved because here's the reality we don't have to be good enough because he is and we don't have to earn his love because it's already been given to us And so I want to get us back to a place where we can understand just how stinking awesome that we are. Because God says we are, and I don't know about you, but I haven't been able to prove Him wrong yet. So how do we do it? How do we get back to that core? How do we get back to our identity? There's an amazing opportunity starting January 1st. Here at the church we do something called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And that's a fasting is a church war that just basically means we're giving up something so we can spend more time with God. Some people do food. They give up. You know what? I'm not going to eat lunch. And instead, I'm going to take that time to pray or I'm going to take that time to read my Bible. I'm going to take that time to spend with Jesus. Some people give up social media. Some people give up Netflix. Some people give up Xbox. Whatever it is, it's in your life that I, I encourage you to do. But here's why we do it. It's not just to fulfill a religious obligation. It's not just to do all this. It's so that we can get back to that time with Jesus. So we can take a pause and go, hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out. I'm feeling this way. Instead of going off of my feelings, we need to find out what's true. And what's true is that God says he has plans for us. God says that we are loved regardless of our past. That the junk and the mistakes and all this stuff has been removed as far as the east is from the west. We get back to facts and truth instead of emotion. Because there are a lot of people out in this world that are going to try and tear us down and tell us just how junky we are, but that's not true. We got to get back to truth. And so I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to go the other way. Instead of giving something up, I'm going to do something for 21 days. It doesn't work for everybody, but for me, it's what, what does it for me, is I have a journal where whenever I'm going through something tough, or I just, you know, God, I need you, or God, why are you doing this? I go to my journal and just get it out and let him just speak to me that way. So starting January 1st to 21st, I'm just going to journal. That's not for everybody, but for some it might be. You can do anything it is. It's, it's not about doing something that's right or wrong. It's about spending that time and carving out time in your life. For Jesus. Carving out time. So three really quick practical things. How do we get back to who we are? Number one, you got to find moments in your day. I love my car rides back to my house. It's 22 minutes from here to my front door. And sometimes it's listening to music, but sometimes it's as simple as, hey God, I'm really struggling with this right now. would love for you to help me. That's uncomfortable for some people. But prayer is simply a conversation between you and God. It doesn't have to look like any other way. Find moments in your day where you can remember who you are and how much you're loved. Number two, remember whose you are. You're His. You're His. You're loved by Him. Sometimes we've got to get back into reading our Bible, not just so we read our Bible, but so we can understand and read truth of who we really are. Number three, this is the biggest one for a lot of us. you got to let go. you got to let go of control. Stuff's going to come up. Bad stuff's happened. But when we let go, there's freedom because understand that it's all going to work out. It's all going to work itself out. Romans chapter 8. I want you to read this with me and then we're going to get out of here. It's the last one, Dalton, Romans eight twenty-eight. And we know that God causes everything. Does it say something or everything? I can't read. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's all gonna work out. It's not gonna be easy. It's not always gonna seem comfortable and safe, but it's all gonna work out. Because God is good and we are loved. So you do me a favor. when you bow your heads in this place. Close your eyes. This moment is between us and God. It's not about our neighbor. It's not about who's sitting next to us. This is just between us and God. I think there are some people in this room who have been hurt, who aren't sure what they believe, but they know that they're hurting. And they know that life isn't always easy. And they try to go to things to fill that void and it doesn't work. And so when I'm talking about Jesus, when I'm talking about that relationship and finding hope and joy, they want it but they're not sure what it looks like. God says all we have to do to have a relationship with you, all we have to do is to have you close, is to confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart that you are Jesus. So if that's you in this place, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to do anything crazy. Just between you and God, if you want that relationship with Jesus right now, maybe for the first time, maybe it's recommitting your life and go, you know what, God, I've been off base for a bit, but I want to get back on that place. Will Will you just, between you and God, will you just raise your hand right now? God, you see these hands and you know that they are good. And that maybe they haven't been perfect, God, but you love them all the same. So bless them, Jesus. Honor them. Show them your way, Jesus. I just pray, God, that they would feel comforted, they would feel loved, and that they would know that you are loved. God, for everyone else in this room, Maybe we are busy. Maybe we're so busy we can't even think straight. Maybe we're even so busy that we've even been thinking during this service, man, i got to do this when I get home. i got to do this. I've got to throw this in the oven. God, we're so busy that we're so bogged down. We're so crazy, God. Help us to understand that you just want to spend time with us. And you just want to show us how awesome that we are so that we can do all that you've called us to do. God, help us. Be with us. Guide us. God may everyone who walks out of this place, maybe the holidays are tough. May everyone, everyone feel encouraged and uplifted, and empowered to do everything that you've called them to do. Turn in that we pray, Jesus. Amen. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.